Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. If you do have your Bibles, open them to the book of 1 Samuel and chapter 3. We're going to read actually most of, or actually all of the chapter at one point or another. It's 21 verses, but we're going to start with um, the first 18. We continue in this series called When Things Go Wrong. Uh, you know, let's just be real. Anybody ever have things go wrong in your life? Everybody hands raised because always, we all do. We get that. And um, so, so we're, we're able to see through Scripture. In fact, a lot of the great stories in Scripture are all describing something that went wrong and how God worked it out, if you think about it, right? And no less so in the life of, a, of a Samuel, who are, we are taking a closer look at here. And so we've been looking at this prophet Samuel. He's still uh, fairly young at this time when we get to chapter 3. He's being mentored by Eli. Historians tell us, and we don't know for sure, but we think that Samuel might have been around 12 years old at the time of this story. So he started out as a 3-year-old. Every year his mom would make a new uh, linen ephod for him and bring it to him. But he served always at the, uh, the tabernacle with Eli and served in worshiping God. So that's really where we're picking this up. In 1 Samuel 3, 1, I'm going to read again these first 18 verses. Just follow along in your Bible there. So the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. This sounds like a Dr. Seuss uh, story here. But anyway, uh, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called to Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that it was the Lord calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times. Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. That takes us back to last week's message. If you're raising kids, learning to discipline your kids properly and restrain them is a command from God. Okay, So, so take that to heart. When you go, but you can listen to that sermon from last week if that uh, is your, your station in life right now. And so, um, uh, fail to restrain them. Verse 14, therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel laid down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you, Eli asked? Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide 
from me anything he told you. That's how to scare the crud out of a 12-year-old kid right there, okay? (laughs) So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. Again, today we're going to look at this idea of when things go wrong. And the thing that goes wrong sometimes is we just don't know what to do. Is that true? Anybody in a place like that right now, you just don't know what to do? All right, fair enough. Let's pray and let's hope that by the end of this, we'll know how to hear from God, how to see what God's wanting to do and how to open up our hearts to receive. Lord, we thank you uh, that you speak through your word, that you have uh, things that you want to say to us. There's direction you want to give us. Lord, sometimes we're sitting here and we, maybe there's big decisions in our life. Sometimes there's small decisions. Sometimes there's little things. But Lord, we want to do everything as much as possible according, uh, everything really, according to your will and according to your ways. So help us to be receptive, to hear your voice, to to be uh, eyes wide open, to see what you're doing, Lord, and to have hearts that are ready to respond when you call us. And Lord, I pray that that will take place in our hearts through this message and in the days and weeks and years to come in our lives as we open our lives to you because you have the answers for these things that go wrong in our lives and you have answers from when we don't know what to do. God, we look to you right now in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. Amen, amen. When things go wrong, all right, you know, that seems like a, a theme of my life sometimes. I don't know. Uh, I don't mean to complain, but, but, uh, but when things, things go wrong all the time, don't they? I mean, really. And uh, in fact, sometimes it's a big thing, and like I say, sometimes it's a little thing. A couple of weeks ago, there was a little thing that went wrong here. It wasn't a really big issue, but it was a big enough issue that I knew it's something I had to deal with. We have, you know, uh, some lighting here, these LED kinds of lights, and one of them, I was walking through the sanctuary, this is again two weeks ago, I was walking through the sanctuary uh, in the middle of the week, and I looked, and one of these bar lights at the back was blinking and wasn't behaving. And I went through all the normal, uh, you know, troubleshooting things, and come to find out the light had just it had just failed. We've had these for many years now, so uh, I'm always impressed how long these LEDs last, and they do good, but there was something else was wrong with it. it I'm sure it wasn't the lights themselves, but some, uh, some electrical component. So I took it apart a little bit and tried to see if I could see anything obvious, couldn't. I uh, decided, man, I, I guess I'm going to have to bite the bullet, and they're not super expensive, but I had to buy a new fixture and waited for it to come. Well, it arrived on that Thursday of that week, and when it arrived, I thought, this is the simplest fix in the whole world. It's so easy to take this light and put it in, just install it, no big deal, and basically plug it in. I knew it was going to be a no-brainer, so I waited till Saturday to work on it. Again, this is a week and a half, or yeah, just about a week ago now. So Saturday, you know, last minute stuff, there's always everything to get ready. And so I get up here and I start working on this light and I could not get it to work. Now, now these lights have a, something called a, a DMX address. Andrew knows well about all this because he's done a lot of lighting stuff. But in the DMX, is a, is a, you can give each fixture an address to tell it so that the uh, lighting board in the back can speak to it properly and it understands the lighting board what you want it to do. And I know that that seems all technical, but it's just basically how they communicate. And so I set the DMX to 51, which is exactly where uh, it, it was supposed to be. And, uh, and I couldn't get it to work. So I finally called. Alex, who had done a lot of work with this lighting board, and done a, he has a uh, ton of work with lighting all the time, and I thought, well, I'll just grab him real quick and see if he'll talk to me. He did. I walked him through everything I'd done. He walked me through everything I should do. It sounded like we were on the same page, and then he said, well, Dad, this is, this is what he said to me, well, Dad, when I can't figure it out, I read the manual. <laughs> and in my mind, I said, no, you didn't. No. And then out of my mouth, I heard myself say, 
but I hate reading manuals. And then I thought to myself again, no, I didn't. <laughs> Cannot believe that, you know, <laughs> I, can't, I said that out of my mouth. And I, the irony of the situation of the reversal of father and son at this moment was not lost on me. You know, I was like, <laughs> I cannot believe my son just told me to read the stupid manual when I've been telling him his whole life, you just read the manual, right? And so I've just mumbled something and said goodbye. I mean, I was just so upset I couldn't believe that it happened to me. So I read the manual. And I realized I had missed a step. I, there was another thing that needed to be done besides setting the DMX address. I had to tell the light what kind of a light it was. Okay? They're stupid. They don't know anything. So I, I get into this, and I start dealing with it, and, um, and it still didn't work. And then the concept hit me. Maybe we should throw all the lights out and just go with candles. <laughs> right? No, no. I don't want to hear any strong amens there. Come on. <clears throat> okay. So I'm sitting there, and now this is time has been progressing. I've been spending way the heck more time on this than I expected I would. And I just, I, I, I thought I had done everything. I sat there, and in, in the quietness of my heart, as I just sat at the, I sat at the back thing back there, shaking my head, thinking, what am I going to do? It was like a no big deal, but when you showed up on Sunday, one of the lights wouldn't work, and it would be obvious, and it would just bother me. Maybe stuff like that doesn't bother you, but that's the stuff that bothers me, and I just couldn't deal with it. So I just kept thinking and thinking, and then in the quietness for a moment, a thought came to my head, and I really believe, honestly, it was the Holy Spirit, because he's done this so many times in my life, he's, uh, when, and it's really impractical things, something I really need to learn how to do or fix or a weight or a concept, and if I give it enough time, and I should start with the Holy Spirit, I probably should have prayed before I started this project, but I didn't, you understand what I'm saying right now. And so, so I'm sitting there, and in that quiet moment, I had this kind of a thought that went in my head, and the thought was, you have the wrong address, dummy. Now, the Holy Spirit didn't say dummy. I just added that because... But as soon as I, that thought came in my head, and I felt like it was the Holy Spirit, I went... And I started writing things down, and I started writing down the address of all the other fixtures. And there's certain numbers, and it's all binary, and it's weird. And all of a sudden, I realized, as I did it and I counted, it was supposed to be DMX 50, not 51. I switched it to DMX 50... Ta-da, they all work. You know? That's amazing, right? It works the way it's supposed to. What should have taken me 15 minutes at most took me uh, more than two hours of time because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do, and I was confused. And, and so, so all, all that to say that when things go wrong in our lives, the answers are most often found when we still our hearts and we listen to God. And listen to God, listen, who speaks through other people but also speaks through his word. You say, I don't know what to do in my life. How often are you in the word of God? This should be a daily routine with us. I'm not saying you have to read through the Bible in a year. It's not a bad idea to immerse yourself and get to know this book, but you should have a little bit of this every day. You, how, often did they, uh, how often do you go completely without food in a day? I realize we fast once in a while. But the Bible is referred to as bread. It is bread for us. It is spiritually what we need to ingest every day to, get, to grow stronger in the Lord. But it's also going to be the source for the Holy Spirit to be able to speak to us and help us to know what to do at times like that. And so there's that. And, and so looking, you know, God speaks directly through other people. He speaks through His Word, the manual, if you will. Catching my drift there, right? And, and he speaks directly to our hearts at times. We just hear a, a voice. Now, we don't usually hear in our ears. That's rare, very rare. But, one, but often we can hear from the Lord in our hearts and know what he wants us to do. 
God's purpose in coming to Samuel is to speak to him that the sons of Eli had become so corrupt that he needed to raise up a new prophet to take Eli's place. And last week we talked about the progression in the child's life when they start out and they're, they're in the faith because it's their parents' faith, but after a while you guys got to get to the place where it's your own faith, right? You getting this? You got you know, you to get to a place where it's your own faith, where you own that faith for yourself. And that's what God wants to do. And that's the place, I believe that's really where he's bringing, it's no, no accident that it's at about 12 years old. Again, we don't know exactly. But 12 years old is a really profound time in a, in a child's life. If you think about it, how old was Jesus when he went to the temple and said he had to be about his father's business? And there's somewhere around that 12-year-old mark, I think, that even if your kid you know, has grown up in your household and known the Lord and followed the Lord and been a great little guy or a great little gal. But somewhere as they get into that preteen or early teen years comes a time of decision where they make God God for themselves. And they decide to do that. And I think it's profound that God came to him at this time. So, so, so young people, you know, uh, you can't get to heaven just because your parents are Christians or because you go to church. It has to be personal. Amen? Amen? So if we want to, listen, I'm going to take you through three things real quick today. Uh, well, probably won't be that quick. Buckle in. What the heck? <laughs> I've already gone longer than I thought it was going to to this point. But, so we'll, we'll try to get through this fairly quick. But I'm going to give you three things today that are going to help us how to, to know what to do when things go wrong and how we're going to get God's direction for our lives. And the first thing is this, to have ears to hear. So here's young Samuel trying to get some sleep. He hears a voice. Each time he thinks it's, it's uh, Eli, and he responds, and he goes, here I am. And uh, we wonder why God didn't maybe answer him the first time. But I love this progression because God is wanting him to, it, it says right in there that he didn't yet know the voice of the Lord. So every time he heard it, it sounded to him like Eli's voice. And he wasn't connecting the dots yet. He hadn't learned how to listen carefully and listen closely. And so God comes to him a fourth time, and then he responds as a servant and invites the Lord to speak to him. He heard every time, but he didn't listen, have ears to hear. Catch the difference there? He heard physically, but he didn't hear where he needed to hear in his heart because he didn't know what it was about. So the concept, <coughs> excuse me, the concept of having ears to hear is found repeatedly throughout the Bible. Obviously, we're not talking about, again, the physical, but the spiritual ones. In Ezekiel um, chapter 12, God tells the, him the reason people can't hear spiritually on the screen. It says, Son of man, you're living among a rebellious people. They have eyes to see, but do not see. They have ears to hear, but do not hear. For, watch this, they are a rebellious people. A rebellious people. Now, it's interesting to me uh, that kids, I think, are often more open to hearing from God than we adults are. That just seems really true uh, to me. I remember, again, when Andrew was just a three-year-old, uh, or almost three, he wasn't even quite three yet. We're driving out to some friend's house uh, to spend some time with them. I think uh, Alex was just a little baby at the time in the baby seat, and, and Andrew, uh, we didn't seat belt very well in those days, <laughs> and he was standing behind us. And <laughs> but we were on a country road, so it was okay. Anyway, so we're driving along, and <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a different age. <laughs> Don't judge me. So anyway, he's, just, he's probably standing back there in the, yeah, this was the seat belt in those days, right? So, um, so anyway, we were driving along this road, and then and then uh, we're just talking, Rhonda and I are, and then all of a sudden Andrew just pipes up out of nowhere with a kind of a strong voice and says, Jesus, will you come into my life? Or come into my heart? Is that how he said it? Come into my heart? Yeah. And then he got the lowest voice he could have in his little 
almost three-year-old body, he said, yes. <laughs> and, and Ron and I were like, what just happened? <laughs> and we, this is what I believe. This is what we believe happened. We believe that he sincerely, as a child, as a little one, realized he needed the Savior in his life. You know, don't think it's two is too young for that. In fact, all of our kids were saved uh, between two and, and Abraham was saved on his fourth birthday. So, so all of our kids gave their lives to Christ at that early age. They understood what sin was. They understood they needed the Lord. We didn't press them. We didn't push them. But at some point, this is the kind of thing that would happen. And so but we encouraged it, mind you. Okay, When I say we didn't press them, we encouraged it. So, so he said that I think Andrew heard from the Lord. I really, with all my heart, believe it. I think he heard Jesus respond to him, and he just repeated what Jesus said. That's why he lowered his register as cute as his little uh, voice would carry him down there. But, uh, but it's amazing. We should expect that our children are hearing from God. See, we're the ones who are hard-hearted, not the kids, okay, just to be real about this. I remember a month or two after I got, I got saved at age 15, I was lying in bed, I was about to fall asleep myself, and I heard, I thought a familiar voice of somebody who wasn't in the house say my name. And I thought, that's so weird. Why, why did I hear that? Because I know that person isn't here. It was my stepfather who was, I thought it was my stepfather, but we hadn't been around him in three months. And I heard a man's voice, and I just heard Sal. And so I, I just went to sleep. I didn't think much of it. The next morning, I got up and I told my aunt, who was a pastor and led me to the Lord, I told her, I thought I heard someone say my name. I thought I mentioned the, the stepfather's name. And she said, well, and she took me to this story in Samuel. And she said, this is what happened to Samuel. So she said, well, the next time he says something to you, just say, hey, I'm listening. This is your servant. I'm listening. And, uh, and so, so I don't know if that was God or my imagination. I can't tell you the truth. Uh, I maybe didn't have enough knowledge or I should, maybe I should have got up and checked around the house. I don't know. But, but boy, at that time, uh, I thought that was a very significant thing in my life because I felt like I heard God call my name. And here I was, a brand new baby Christian. In fact, I think baby Christians also have an advantage. Even if you're 40 years old or 60 years old, you give your life to Christ, all of a sudden you hear things more spiritually, more clearly than people who've been at it a while. The rest of us, we just got to work harder at it, but that's to be expected. We need to grow up in our relationship with the Lord. So here's the thing. We don't hear God for three quick reasons. Let me tell you real quick. Number one, according to Ezekiel, because we're rebellious. So clear that up if that's a problem. Or we're kept from hearing by the enemy. Because he, he will try to intercept what God wants to say to us. Sometimes when we're preaching the Word of God from a pulpit up here, that, uh, you know, I think there's a, you know, sometimes there's a disturbance. Somebody in the room does something. Maybe a baby is crying. And, and you know, I'm, just understand me right now. Sometimes I think that's a work of the enemy to take you away from hearing and understanding the Word of God. So, so be conscious of that. Just decide. and be, When you hear a baby crying, don't be annoyed. <clears throat> Pray in Jesus' name. That the Word of God will be able to preach without interference. Right? Change our attitude about that. And the third reason is, is because we're just not tuned in to God. Tuned in. Man, so here's the answer to all three of those. If we're rebellious, repent. If the enemy is blocking, rebuke him. And if we're still not hearing, tune in. When I was a kid back in these dark ages when we didn't have seat belts and all kinds of things... But uh, TV, what a joke that was, right? Uh, some of you are old enough to relate to this, but we only, we, I live fairly close to a big metropolitan city, Boston, Massachusetts. We only got three channels, folks, three. 
ABC, NBC, CBS. We had this massive antenna on our roof that pointed south because we were north of Boston a little ways, and we would get up on the roof and kind of aim that thing in the best possible way we could, and then we would turn to channel 4, channel 5, or channel 7, and that was it. That's all you had. I know your kids are like, what? Can it even be? But it's the way it was. But anyway, we would, t- we would turn, the- there was a big fat dial that would go thunk, thunk, thunk. But sometimes when you turn to channel 4, for instance, you go chunk to 4, and then the, the screen would still be fuzzy and not a very good picture. And you couldn't really do much about the antenna. It was pointing in the right direction. But there was this knob that went around the first knob called a fine-tuning knob, right? And you take that thing and begin to spin it. It spun eternally in both directions. I think it was just fake to make you think something was happening. But once in a while, you'd turn that thing, and it would sharpen the picture up a bit, you know, and you'd watch Gilligan's Island with glee, and <laughs> yeah, that was so amazing. Um, but this is the reason that my generation went out and played a lot more, because there really wasn't much to watch on TV, and we just had to go outside because it was so boring. Anyway, I'd come home from school, and all it would be on would be soap operas and game shows, and, you know, it's just, it just wear you out. Anyway, so... Um, but this idea of tuning in, it's, if you want to hear and see clearly, we've got to get tuned in. What, what that means for us with God is we, we have to learn to hear Him. Like, here's the thing with God. God is always speaking and He's always transmitting an ultra-clear, super-clear, crystal-clear message. And there's no problem with the, the voice of God, the speaking of the Holy Spirit, and the transmission, all right, to us. The problem is... We're not tuned in to receive it. We're not tuned in to hear it. Are you with me? And so that's what we need to do. So how do we tune in? We tune in by prayer, right? We should be about praying all the time. It's it's one of the best ways we can have a relationship with God is to pray. That's how we speak to God. And so we have this prayer communication. But but and I know that some of you might be thinking right now, but prayer feels to me like it's a one-way street. Well, do you stop talking once in a while and just listen? Do you spend time just listening to God? Because I promise you, though you probably won't and maybe, maybe never in your life hear Him with your physical ears, you will hear Him in your heart. He says, my sheep, if you're His sheep, right? That's what the Bible calls it. Know my voice. They know my voice. If you're His sheep, He says, another shepherd they won't even listen to. But when they hear my voice, they'll come. And they'll do. So, so that's what it's about, is, is understanding through prayer. We're having a two-way communication, so we have to be still and listen at times as well. Samuel heard God speak, but he didn't recognize that it was God. Once he did, he continued to have those close encounters, if you will, with God over the rest of his life. He continued to hear from the Lord. And I just want to read the rest of uh, that chapter, if I could, right at this moment. It'll be on the screen. It says, The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. I love that, because the word of God is now in Samuel, but now his words become the solid word. He's speaking stuff that's solid because he's hearing from God. Are you catching this, this transmission through him? And it says, All Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and revealed himself to Samuel through his word. When things go wrong, we need to hear from God who has the answers. But we also need to have, second point is this, they'll go quicker, eyes to see, eyes to see. Children, again, see and hear God better than we do. There was a story, uh, Ron and I actually went to a a conference, boy, this is almost 20 years ago now, and I don't know if you remember, but there was a gal there by the name of, uh, I'll butcher her name, I know, Pam Vreed. Redevelt, 
And uh, she had, uh, she'd lost her first baby, then she had uh, three more, and then had a fourth baby who was born with Down syndrome. And this was, for her, there, there were these multiplied tragedies in her life of losing a child, and she was just dealing with the repercussions of that. Now she's got a Down syndrome child, and she's just reeling from, how do I, re and so she, she, of course, loved her child, and, and she would uh, take this little boy into the room every night and, and uh, pray over him and in a rocking chair. And, and uh, about when he was maybe 18 months, two years old, uh, as she always rocked him to bed at night or to sleep and then would put him in his bed. She was rocking him to sleep, but he became very agitated and kept looking around her and trying to see behind where they were. And, and, um, and, he kept, and even she tried to keep calming him and he just was agitated. And so she finally, uh, she does, to this, when she uh, told a story, and she actually wrote a book about this, but she said, uh, she doesn't know why she asked it, but she said, Nathan, do you see angels? And this little bitty boy who obviously was having troubles, but he, and so he could communicate the word yes, but he said da. And so as soon as she said, do you see angels? He said da. And she <laughs> stopped, right? Because he's looking behind the chair, behind the rocking chair. That's the name of the book, Angel Behind the Rocking Chair. And all of a sudden, can you just imagine this mom who's been struggling with his depression, thinking God wasn't with her, but all this while, right? All this while, but it isn't her that picked up on it. It's her Down syndrome little boy who's looking behind and he's seeing angels behind. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that. I don't think this is a fantasy. I think this is real. God has given us angels. He's get, assigned angels to us. It's not surprising. We don't worship angels and we're not going to give them more glory than they're due, but they're here as God's messengers, His servants, and they're in this room right now with us. They are. And we need to be aware of that, not to glorify that or to be interested in them because it's all about giving glory to Jesus. But these angels have been dispatched by God. That, that, that wonderful psalm that Satan butchered uh, when he was messing with Jesus, he said, even if you should fall, you won't dash your foot against a stone because he will give a stone because... Not a scone, but... <laughs> I love scones. Anyway, <laughs> uh, where was I? I totally love that you won't, that He's given angels charge over you that you won't dash your foot against a stone is what the psalmist wrote. And so this is the amazing thing about, about all this is that God is watching over your life. He's watching over you and me. We must not underestimate the potential of children and youth, their ability to see and hear God. Sometimes we think, oh, you know, they're just kids. Listen, if you want to really figure out what's going on, talk to kids, I'm telling you. <laughs> all right? In fact, I would suggest that if, if we really want to hear more from God and see more of what God's doing, that, that, that what Jesus said in Matthew 18, 3 is true of us. He says, truly, I tell you, unless you change, indicating you need to change. I'm saying me too, okay? Unless you change, become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Is he saying you won't be saved, you won't go to heaven? No, he's not saying you're not going to go to heaven. He's saying you're never going to enter into the place where you are hearing what the king is talking about, knowing what the king wants you to do. That's what the kingdom of heaven is. It's here on earth as it is in heaven, the kingdom here on earth. He says you're not going to experience that unless you change from being all thinking you're an adult and just decide to just become like a little child in his presence. Some of you may be embarrassed by me the way I hop around and stuff on Sundays. I don't really care. I do that because... I felt years ago when I worshiped the Lord, I need to be like a little child. And I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm not trying to, you know, I don't, if you're embarrassed by me, I'm sorry, but I just like to hop it up and down. Like a, here I am 60 years old, but I don't hop very much anymore, very high anyway. I might get a little, about a half inch clearance off the ground once in a while. But, but, you know, just to be joyful and just to move in his presence. How would a kid worship God, right? 
How do kids, you know, when they're hearing cool music and they're just, they're just out there, and so that's the way I'm going to worship the Lord for all my days. Uh, deal with it. Jesus said this. He said he only did what he saw the Father doing. What he saw the Father doing. That's how he did all those miracles. We, we want miracles, don't we? How did he do the works of God? How did he raise people from the dead? How did he heal these people? How did he do all that stuff? He saw spiritually what the Father was doing, and he just did that stuff. So how are we going to do the same thing? Same way. That's a different kind of, there's a different kind of seeing. In Matthew 13, 3 on the screen, it says, This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. They see with the physical eye, but they don't really see. There's two ways to see things. We can see, again, with our physical eyes, or we can see, uh, and, and we can even see with imaginations and dreams. Those are, that's one way. But, but the other way to see, in our language anyway, is to understand something, correct? Because uh, that's when we understand something. We go, oh, I see. And this is the kind of seeing I believe that Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, you don't really see. You see clearly with your eyes, but you don't see. You don't understand. You don't know what this is about. And, and so, but it, you say, well, why, why when I pray for my lost loved ones or lost people in the world, why don't they come to the Lord? And I just want to share one hopeful scripture with you to teach us how to pray a little bit better for this. But it says, the God of this age, in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So they what? Cannot see. They can't see the light of the gospel that display, displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God who said, well, interesting, let light shine out of darkness, right? You obviously can't see in the dark. So he says, let light shine out of darkness. So the light gets turned on, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God displayed in the face of Christ. Here's the thing. When you're praying for unbelievers in your own family or in your life, you're praying for them to be saved. Here's one way to learn to pray because of this verse is to pray that the, the blindness that Satan has put on their lives will be removed. And just pray that regularly for those who are, are still not turning to the Lord. Because there's a spiritual blindness that even though they can see things with their physical eyes, they don't see or understand with the Spirit. When things go wrong, we need to see with spiritual eyes what Jesus is doing or what the Father is doing, just as Jesus did. God wants to give us also visions and dreams, all right? And we should be open to that and to understanding. When things go wrong, we need to hear from God. And we need to see what he's doing. And finally, quickly, we have to have a servant's heart. It, to me, is so beautiful that the Lord came to Samuel these four times so patiently. And uh, it's kind of almost humorous to me that, you know, God just, hello, and he runs out of the room. It's like God's standing there. <laughs> you know, I, I know God knew, but to me, I just see these things in my mind. But anyway, the final time in verse 10, this is so profound. It says that the Lord came, listen to this, the Lord came and stood there. Just let that sink in for a moment. Here's this young boy laying on his mat. He's called out, and the fourth time he comes in, he just stands there, right? Because he knows, he knows that Samuel's going to respond properly. And, of course, Eli uh, tells Samuel to say, speak for your servant is listening. Samuel does it, and he means it, that he's a servant. And so the next day, Samuel gets up and does not go around thinking of himself all puffed up like, I had a vision. I'm really something. And, and he knew, Eli, you're out, I'm in. That, you know, he didn't have that attitude at all. In fact, he kept it to himself. Good idea. Okay, good idea. Keep it, you know, unless the Lord's told you to share that word, don't always go around sharing every word God gives you. 
Sometimes it's not for everybody else. It might just be for you. So, so he gets up and, he, and basically he, does, he gets up and starts doing what he's supposed to do. He starts serving around the, the tabernacle like he's supposed to do. And it's funny to me because I've come across people in my life, and you have too, that maybe have this great encounter with God or they feel like they have this calling. And next thing you know, they're quitting their jobs. They're leaving things behind. We, I've heard of people leaving their families because of God called them to something. Hey, you're wrong when you do that. That's not God, okay? God doesn't have anybody leave their family to go do things. I, you know, and people get kind of presumptuous. They get kind of, um, you know, they confuse faith with presumption, I think. I knew a guy in Bible college. Now, I never heard him tell his story. I was too embarrassed to ask him if it was true, but I knew this guy, and somebody told me this story that years before, because he, he was like, a, I think, a senior when I was a freshman. And so there was right next to the Bible college, there was Echo Park uh, pond, I guess you call it, in North Los Angeles. And this guy, he, um, he went out and he sat by this pond and he was so thinking that God wanted to heal him because he wore glasses and he didn't want to wear glasses anymore and he felt like God wanted to heal him and so he's just, you know, having all that, trying to show off his faith and he said, God, and he, some ducks were going across this little pond and he goes, he goes, God, if those ducks quack, I know you want me to throw my glasses into the pond. And so, so pretty soon the duck quacked and he threw his glasses in the pond. And then he walked back to the Bible college. <laughs> right? That isn't faith. That's presumption. You know, that's manipulation of God. You can't manipulate God like that. He didn't see what God was doing. Does God heal blind eyes? Does God sometimes... How many have been healed by God here? Come on, raise your hand if you have. I've been healed be before. I'm not healed in some things I'm facing now, but I've been healed in other ways. So God does heal people, but that becomes presumption. But Samuel was not presumptuous about what God had called him to do. He gets up the next morning, gets to work, and, and then Eli really has to drag it out of him, kind of threaten him, really. I spoke last week about the fact that I believe God has a calling and a ministry for every single believer in Christ. In, in my opinion, the number one way to find your calling, though, is just go get busy, right? You say, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in the church. Well, we got lots of cleaning we could do around here. Every, you know, if you want to come and just, like, I just appreciate so much people who just faithfully take time. Good, you know, important people. Kelly comes and vacuums the carpets. Karen comes and cleans our bathrooms every week. I mean, this is amazing, right? Aren't you glad for that? Okay, I'm so glad for that. But, you know, you know there's, uh, these are great men and women of God here that do these things. But I'm just saying what happens is, is a lot of times we think, well, I'm going to wait for that big calling from God. Or, you know, and we don't do anything in the meantime. Just get up and start doing ministry. And, and you'll, eventually God will lead you into the thing you're supposed to be doing. And the number one way to find your calling is just get busy. If God ever calls our name, it's a good idea to say, speak, your servant is listening. <laughs> I'm a servant before I'm anything else. And then the Lord is patient with young Samuel, and he keeps coming, and he responds. And, 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 but as we've known the Lord for a longer time, I think uh, there's expectancy with God that our hearts are ready to respond immediately and just say, hey, I'm ready to hear from you, Lord, whatever you want to do in my life. Amen? Worship team, come on back up. So we all have things that go wrong in our lives. God has answers for them, whether they're big things or small things. Maybe it's just a, a stupid little light that doesn't work. But God really wants to help with even the small things in our lives. He really does. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, you listen to God. You listen to God. And you open your eyes to see what He wants you to see. And you yield your heart to Him as a servant to do His will. And each time He heard the voice speak to him. He didn't understand it was God, and, but, but 
But I love the, listen how he did respond every time. He got up out of his bed and he ran to Eli and said, here I am. Because what kind of a heart did he have? He had a heart that said, I want to do whatever I'm being asked to do in this moment. God sees that. He's willing to do whatever God wants him to do. And, and so much so that I, I read this verse earlier, but it, it says that none of his words fell to the ground. That's, that's the kind of man he became. In other words, God left no word unfulfilled that he spoke through Samuel. Isn't that amazing? Man, to have that kind of a ministry that just you, you just speak things and everything that you say comes to pass. Here I am. That's his response. Here I am. What kind of response do we want to have today to God? I want to encourage us that maybe we would have this same response. I want to take you quickly, and this won't take very long, but on a journey through the Bible, when God came to Abraham and said, I want you to offer your son. And he, he said, Abraham, he spoke his name. Abraham said, here I am. When Jacob was questioning whether or not to go to Egypt, because his family was starving, Joseph was down there already. God met with him, and he called his name, and Jacob said, Get this, here I am. When God met Moses at the burning bush later on, wanted to deliver God's people from Egypt, he called Moses' name, Moses. Moses said, here I am. When David writes in Psalm 40 about the coming Messiah, even the Messiah, Jesus Christ, will say, here I am, I've come to do your will. Are you catching a little bit of a theme here? And when God was looking for someone to tell the people the message that he had for them in the book of Isaiah on the screen, we'll have it here. This is what Isaiah writes in 6 to 8 through 10. He says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Say it with me. Here am I. Here am I. Send me. Let's stand to our feet. Here am I. Send me. And then God responds to him, Okay, you ready? Here's what you're going to do. Go and tell his people... You're hearing, but you don't understand. You're seeing, but you're not perceiving. Make the, and he said, make the heart of the people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, here it comes, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. There's, there's the formula, if you will, for everything I've just said today. I probably could have just read that verse and... Holy Spirit anointed it, and you could have gone out with the message, but I just want us to grasp this today, that we present ourselves to God, and we say, God, open my ears that I can hear you. Open my eyes so I may understand and perceive, God, what you're saying. And finally, open my heart. Make me have a soft and a willing heart that is a servant-led heart that just says, God, whatever you call me to do, I'm ready. Man, you want to know how, when things go wrong what to do, when you don't know what to do, this is the formula. And it works in every part of your life because God really wants to help you in everything you're doing. Are you getting the idea? Are you understanding what I'm saying today? So here's how I want to end our service today. I want us to come before the Lord and say, say those words to Him. Say, here I am or here am I. However you want to word that. But here I am. Here I am knowing what's behind that. And we're going to sing a song here, Gracefully Broken. And uh, there's, a, there's a part in it that, that says, Here I am. Here I am. Heart wide open. Right? That's what we're going to do is open our hearts to the Lord. And I want to invite you there. The band's going to play this song and we're going to turn the lights down a little bit. 
And as many as you feel called by God to do this, and it's probably, you know, uh, I was talking with a pastor friend of mine this week, and we were both lamenting the fact that when we give altar calls, the response is usually quite light. We need to not be afraid of coming to the front. Can I just say, get out of your seat. Come to the front. You want to make some business. You want to find out what to do and you don't know what to do. Come and spend some time with God at the front. I don't know what it is, but there's something about it. We've been doing it for years in the church and it needs to continue. I encourage you to come to the altar today. But wherever you are in your... Just ask God or just say to God, here I am. Here I am. I'm ready to do what you want me to do. Amen. Thank you for listening to Praise Center Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com.